Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are. Whatever party of the day you're in, I have two puppy dogs so far, and one, two semi-lost guineas. I guess they're always a little bit lost. We got a just ever so slight mist of rain recently, and so this made uh, the temperatures, however briefly, just a little cooler, a little more bearable. Hopefully, wherever y'all are, you're getting some kind of break from this very oppressive heat. At any rate, I appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time each day. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, one of our dogs is just insistent on having attention. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, uh, very grateful and humbled, and I appreciate it. Thank y'all so much. The more y'all share it, the better the podcast does. And hopefully y'all are getting something out of just a little bit, at least out of each episode, adding another tool to your toolbox, as we used to say in the Marine Corps. And hopefully the hopefully it's helping the country just a little bit. See if we can turn back the tide of this darkness maybe all right so we're going to go back to <laughs> education and to kind of compare and contrast some comments of one of our early leaders in education with one that's a little bit closer to well was part of the 20th century uh, and and really has quite a bit to do with the, the founding of modern public education as we see it. So we're going to start with Noah Webster, and we've talked about him quite often. He's considered the father of American scholarship and education in general, wrote Webster's Dictionary. This is just a little side note, little context. Uh, in... In his Webster's Dictionary, he stated, in selecting men for office, or no, this wasn't from him, This, I mean from the dictionary, this was just from him. In selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular sect party of the candidate. Look to his character. It is alleged by men of loose principles or defective views on the subject that religion and morality are not necessary or important qualifications for political stations. But the scriptures, talking about the Bible, teach a different doctrine. They direct that rulers should be men who rule in the fear of God, able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. A little bit more, talking specifically about education now. And I've put this out there before, folks, but... Just as a little side note, Webster learned 26 languages in order to help define words in his dictionary. And this is his definition of education. The bringing up as of a child, instruction, formation of manners. Education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, and form the manners and habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in their future stations. 
To give children a good education in manners, arts, and science is important. To give them a religious education is indispensable. And an immense responsibility rests on parents and guardians who neglect these duties. This is this particular little blip is coming out of Patriots Bible. In case you're wanting to go look it up, uh, phenomenal resource. I talk about it almost every podcast. So Webster believed a well-educated citizenry was essential to the preservation of freedom. Information is fatal to despotism, he said. Part of his life was spent in the writing and publishing of textbooks to be used in local schools and in homes that would convey the rudiments of spelling and grammar, as well as provide both moral formation and civic education. Webster wrote, An attempt to conduct the affairs of a free government with wisdom and impartiality, and to preserve the just rights of all classes of citizens without the guidance of divine precepts will certainly end in disappointment. God is the supreme moral governor of the world. He has made, and as he himself governs with perfect rectitude, he requires his rational creatures to govern themselves in like manner. If men will not submit to be controlled by his laws, he will punish them by the evils resulting from their own disobedience. Any system of education, therefore, which limits instruction to the arts and sciences sciences and rejects the aids of religion in forming the character of citizens is essentially defective. In my view, the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government are to be, ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident to my mind that the, the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. So this is Webster's, right, talked a little bit about, just to give you some context, his opinion about how we should pick leaders in America, which is based on their virtue, their morality, their adherence to the principles of Christ. And this is the guy that father of education and scholarship in America, right? And then talking about how we have to have God and the Bible, the scriptures, including Jesus Christ, right, at the center of any system of education. If you, if we only try and teach the secular side, which is exactly what we're doing in modern public education, it's going to be defective. And, and it is defective. You can't teach that without God in the Bible. One more <clears throat> little blip. I haven't read this in a while, and I just wanted to go back to it because it talks about, and, and Webster talked about it there briefly, right? He said there's a huge responsibility with parents and guardians. And and we have, again, in public education today, we have gone against that because we take children away from parents and guardians more and more. Each year, the school year gets a little longer. School day gets a little longer. And, and so we're going directly against these principles. We've taken God out of the classroom and we're taking the kids, we're taking children away from their parents. Ronald Reagan, and we've used this quote often, but it's it's so important because it's so true. The family has always been the cornerstone of American society. Our families nurture, preserve, and pass on to each succeeding generation the values we share and cherish. Values that are found that are the foundation of our freedoms. In the family, we learn our first lessons of God and man, love and discipline. 
rights and responsibilities, human dignity, and human frailty. Our families give us daily examples of these lessons being put into practice in raising and instructing our children, in providing personal and compassionate care for the elderly, in maintaining the spiritual strength of religious commitment among our people. In these and other ways, America's families make immeasurable contributions to America's well-being. Today, more than ever, it is essential that these contributions not be taken for granted and that each of us remember that the strength of our families is vital to the strength of our nation. Okay, so family. Uh, Webster said God had to be integral, uh, the center of education, right? If you, if you just tried to teach science and art and literature without God and Jesus Christ, that public system of education, any system, he said, of education is going to be deficient. It's going to be defective. Reagan here saying that the families are essential to creating uh, productive citizens. They're essential to the strength of our country. That's so now let's compare this to man we've talked about a few times here on the podcast as well, John Dewey. For some of y'all that have listened to the podcast for a number of, of months now, you've heard me speak of him. John Dewey was, uh, con- he's considered the modern architect of modern public education in America and written a number of works. Um, I need to expand my basis of information on him because as the Marine Corps always taught us, you need to know yourself, but you've got to know your enemy also. You can take that either way you want. Uh, This is out of his Impressions of Soviet Russia, written in the 1920s. He was a big fan of communist Russia and in particular the way that they set up their education. So we're going to read a, a few of his quotes. Our special concern here is with the role of the schools in building up forces and factors whose natural effect is to undermine the importance and uniqueness of family life. It is obvious to any observer that in every Western country, the increase of importance of public schools has been at least coincident with a relaxation of older family ties. What is going on in Russia appears to be a planned acceleration of this process. For example, the earliest section of the school system, dealing with children from three to seven, aims in the cities to keep children under its charge six, eight, and ten hours per day. And an ultimate ideal, although far from present fact, this procedure is to be universal and compulsory. Uh, We see that today. School day gets longer and longer. School year gets longer and longer. It absolutely is compulsory uh, based on the fact that it's forced funding through public taxpayer money of public education and also the fact that if you don't send your kid to some kind of schooling, uh, which I agree is necessary, but if you don't, uh, if you've got to either homeschool them or send them to private school or you've got to send them to public school, and if you don't, then you are going to face the consequences of that, which come again from the government. Uh, But the point here is he said, We want to cut the ties with the family. We want to overrun those. Another section, that through-going collectivists regard the traditional family as exclusive and isolating in effect and hence as hostile to a truly communal life is too familiar to require rehearsal. Apart, however, from the effect of the oft-recited Bolshevist modifications of marriage and divorce, the institution of the family is being sapped indirectly rather than by frontal attack. 
its historic supports, economic and ecclesiastical, are weakened. For example, the limitation of living quarters enforced in Russia, as in other countries by the war, talking about World War I, is deliberately taken advantage of to create social combinations wider than that of the family and that cut across its ties. So ecclesiastical, talking about religion, faith, and the family. Again, he's saying that the goal of these schools in Russia, these communist schools, was to cut those ties, to take children away from God and family and, and turn them over to the state. And we see that again today in public education. You cannot argue that. We take more and more time away from the families. We've kicked God out of our institutions. So we're following this pretty well, what Dewey laid out. One more I think we've got time for. The traditional customs and institutions of the peasant, his small tracts, his three-system farming, the influence of home and church, all work automatically to create in him an individualistic ideology. In spite of the greater inclination of the city worker towards collectivism, even his social environment works adversely in many respects. Hence, the great task of the school is to counteract and transform those domestic and neighborhood tendencies that are still so strong, even in a nominally collectivistic regime. So he's saying here again, the whole point of the school is to cut those ties with church and home. And, and to try and make people feel like they're just part of some cog, like they're part of some group, instead of being individuals with specific God-given talents, strengths, and weaknesses unique to that individual, which makes them inherently valuable, right? And you see that today because, again and again, the left, which falls in line with Dewey's theories here, they want to put everybody in groups. Well, you're not an individual. You don't have individual strengths and talents. They kind of, they, they twist the words, they do a real good job because they talk about uh, really really focusing on the individual, but what they really do is they put them into groups, right? You're, you're either black or you're white or you're brown, you're Hispanic or you're African or you're European, um, Asian, whatever group, you're male or female or however many pretend groups of gender that they have now, right? You put them in all these different groups. And now what that does is you're, you're not an individual with responsibilities to God, family, and country. You're just part of this big group, and we're going to treat you like a group. And that was one of the things that Dewey really liked about these socialist communist schools in Russia in the 1920s. And again, this is the man that's, that's been given the title of the architect of modern public education. And so we see a very clear divide between what Reagan talked about even in the 80s, although we had already been down this path for quite a while by that point in public education, and what Noah Webster talked about. And if we go further back from Noah Webster, and we will, we'll come back and hit it again and again. We'll keep talking about this. But the founders, their views on education and the roles of the responsibilities for public education, they're very different. Uh, an American education Truly, American education, based on our founding principles, would have God at the center of it. The family would be very important. The school would be there to supplement the family, not to replace it. So you go there for, for example, math, science, literature, 
but always with a tie back to God and strengthening the family unit, right? And very individualistic. You're an uh, individual, your child is an individual, they have certain strengths and weaknesses. We want to work with that. They're not part of some group. They're not just a cog in the wheel, right? And then you compare, you contrast that with uh, the modern American left, which is very, very in line with what Dewey predicted 100 years ago. We want to take children away from God and away from their family more and more and more. Uh, we want to cut ties with God and cut ties with the family. And we want to, you know, kind of break down and mold these children not to be thinking individuals, but to just be part of the group. And, and you know, we're going to take make the days longer and longer, uh, pull the children in younger and younger. And then he, he mentioned this there, you know, the, the Bolshevist attitude, the socialist communist attitude toward marriage and divorce was very derogative. They, they did a lot to try and break down marriages and the family outside of school as well. And he talks about this earlier in the book. I don't have time to go to it today, but he talks about how they had kind of, you know, we've given up on the older generation. We've just got to kind of wait on them to die. We're really focused on the younger generation, and we want to make them part of this collective, collectivist mentality and really get them away from their families and from God. So it's, it's really clear, folks, and this is what we've done in public education. This is why it's so important. We need public education. We, we need an educated population, as our founders knew. But that education has to be uh, much, much more limited in scope. The days have to be much shorter, not just a little shorter, dramatically shorter. The years have to be dramatically shorter. And the focus has to be across the board centered on God and Jesus Christ and then the family, things that are going to strengthen the family. And and this isn't, no, this, this doesn't affect the First Amendment in the way that the left likes to pretend the First Amendment was written anyway. You know, you ought to have that ability. This is why school choice is really being pushed by so many Americans today, because they want that ability to send their kid where they feel like it's, it's beneficial to the child, and they don't feel like public education is filling that role anymore. And it's not, because we're going exactly against what our founders, the way that Benjamin Rush and Noah Webster and so many other Fisher Ames, the way that they talked about public education and what it really was there for. So... At any rate, hopefully that gives you a little bit to add to your toolbox, and we will go back again and again. We'll hit these and we'll hit others because muscle memory. We need to know that that we need this system today. It's huge, folks. This is one of the main arenas of the war for the soul of America today, and, and whether we end up in a real fight, a real civil war, or whether it remains kind of cold, either way, we're going to have to radically, fundamentally shift our our public education back to our founding faith and principles based on God and Jesus Christ and the Bible, or we're going to lose our republic, which is exactly what men like Dewey and the left push for, whether they'll admit it or not, whether that's what's in their heart or not, that's what their actions do. Uh, and, and there's no reconciliation there. There's no coexistence. You can't have it both ways. So, God bless y'all folks. God bless your families. God bless America. Always look forward to talking to you all. Thank you for coming on this walk today, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Looking forward to it.